You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Well, today, uh, as we continue this series, um, we're just talking about getting past your past. And uh, I think if you're older than about 12 years old, 14 years old, you've probably got something, a decision you made that you wish you could go back and get a redo on, right? Um, Some of those are simple. You know, you get to school and you go, why did I wear this? Or you get to work and you go, I've got on two different socks. You know, those little decisions like that that you wish you could just go back and fix those, but you can make it through the day. Some of them, you know, are are a little bit more than that. Um, You know, several years ago when I first moved to China Grove, there's a four-way stop up there by Dr. King's office and and there are police officers in China Grove. And one of their favorite things to do is watch that four-way stop. And I went right through that stop sign. I thought it was a stop. She didn't think it was. Pulled me over. From that day on, do you think I've ever rolled through that stop sign? Never. She was welcoming me to the community. And here is your ticket. And anyway, so we learn from some things and we learn, sometimes we learn easy lessons. We learn those easy things. Have you ever, you know, when you first started out text messaging and you kept messing up and you quickly learned how to text message, you know, back then you had to hit the certain number two or three times to get a letter out. But some of you, let me just give you advice. Some of you still don't need to text message. You've outgrown it. Okay, it's it's it, you you need to make a phone call is what you need to do, um, but but there are some decisions that if we could go back, we would love to have a redo on some major decisions. There's some of you in this room you would love to go back and have a redo on a first marriage. You'd love to go back and and either not marry him or her because you know your parents told you you shouldn't marry him anyway, but you kind of went through with it. You wish you could go back and maybe redo some things in that first marriage or. Maybe you're like most of Americans, you wish that you could go back and make some financial decisions a little differently. You wish you'd have never taken out that first credit card in college when they said, here's a free t-shirt, fill out this application, and they gave you a $500 unit limit, you said, I'll never spend that much money on a credit card. Before you know it, it's getting declined, you know? And so you wish you could go back and, and change that, and now you're plagued by financial crisis after crisis because you've never changed that. But you wish you could go back and rechange that. Some of us wish that we could go back and make some changes on the way that we raised our kids. We would have maybe taught them a little bit more independence and so that they, you know, moved out at some point when they were old enough and that they got a job when they could get a job and you know, those kinds of things. There's, you would go back and make different decisions when it came to school. Some of you might not have ever gone into higher education, and some of you would have given a little bit more effort in higher education and maybe not done so much extracurricular activities during your college years and wasted a semester or a, or a year or two or whatever. Some of you wish you could go back and would have never taken that first job. You wish you'd have waited and taken one that would have fit you better and so many different decisions. Other people, it's more than that. You wish you'd have never taken that first drink. You wish you'd have never taken that uh, first puff of a cigarette. You wish you'd have never tried drugs for the first time because now you're living a life in turmoil and and addiction and you can't get past that. And so there are some decisions we make. There are some 
redos we would like to have that really don't have a lot of eternal or, or long-term uh, ramifications, but there are others that seem to be plaguing us year after year after year after year. So the question today is, how do we get past our past? Because most of us in this room have something in our past that we are not proud of, something that we wish we could go back and take a do-over on. The nation of Israel, we're gonna read a little bit about them today. The nation of Israel was a group of people as a whole who lived in this cycle of favor with God, out of favor with God, obedience to God, disobedience to God, in exile, out of exile. And they were this, this cycle that they were living in and most of those decisions that they were making are what caused them to get to where they were. They would live in disobedience. They would um, welcome in other gods and they would begin worshiping other gods and they would marry people God told them not to marry and they would do all of this stuff and there was this cycle of obedience, disobedience, obedience, judgment, disobedience, judgment. And, and it was going on and on and on for them. And so we're gonna look today at a guy by the name of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was what we would call a major prophet. It wasn't that he was more important than the other prophets, it's just that if you look at his book, he had a bigger portion of prophecy in the Old Testament. There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. Uh, those chapters were added later. They weren't in his original prophecy, but they were added in there, and it's almost like laid out like the Bible as a whole. And so you can study deeper into that. It's kind of an interesting study. But Isaiah was a major prophet, and he prophesied during four different reigns, or four different kings who reigned over the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, if you remember after King Solomon, he had two sons. They kind of split the kingdom. It was a divided kingdom. There was the northern kingdom that was 10 tribes, and they were the nation of Israel. Then there was the southern two kingdoms where Jerusalem is down that way, and that is where uh, Judea was, and that was the southern kingdom of Judah, that is, um, southern kingdom of Judah. Isaiah was a primary prophet for the southern kingdom of Judah, during four kings. And so he, he actually prophesied over the period of about 85 years. So he was around for a long, long time. He came in toward the tail end of Uzziah's reign, right toward the end. And Uzziah actually had a reign of 52 years. And he was a pretty good king. He was one that, um, he, was, he was there. It was a time of decline, but he was a decent king, but, but it was a decline in Israel's spiritual status. And eventually, Uzziah died of leprosy. And then along came this guy named Jotham. Jotham was a king for about 16 years, and he began to rise to power um, while Assyria, or he began being king as Assyria was rising to power. It was one of those world uh, empires that was becoming very, very powerful during this time. And Judah had opposition from Israel and from Syria. So the northern kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Syria had kind of created this coalition, and they were going against Judah. But the other big empire was Assyria, and Ahaz was one of the guys that came along as a king, and he reigned for about 16 years as well. And Israel and Syria had created this alliance to combat this rising Assyrian threat. Because Assyria wanted to just dominate everything. They wanted to come in and, and, uh, and, and take over the entire world as it was known at the time. But Ahaz refused to make this alliance with any of them. 
He didn't want to do any of them. But Syria and Israel had this alliance. And so as they began to threaten um, Judah and Ahaz more and more, Ahaz started trying to um, have this alliance with Assyria. And they started bringing in all of these pagan gods. They actually made a, uh, a heathen altar in Solomon's temple. And so he was not a good king. He was a bad king, as a matter of fact. And during his reign, Assyria actually came in and took over Samaria, and um, that was the northern kingdom's capital. And then along came Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king of Israel. And Isaiah is prophesying during all of these men's reign, all, of, all these men's reign. And so Hezekiah actually listened to Isaiah. He would listen to the prophecies. And so he was around for about 29 years. If you remember Hezekiah, he was the guy... About midway through his reign, uh, it was prophesied to him that he was going to die. And so he begged God to extend his life. If you've been in church for a long time, you'll remember this story. He prayed that God would extend his life for another 15 years. And Isaiah came to him and said, God is going to grant you your prayer, an answer to your prayer. And so he was guaranteed 15 more years. Well, he didn't want to take Isaiah's word for it. So do you remember what he did? He said, if what you're saying is true, it's easy for the sun to go down. It's easy. We see the sun go down every day. But if this is a true prophecy, have God back the sun up 10 degrees. And guess what happened? Daylight savings time began. You didn't know that, did you? It started with Hezekiah. I'm just kidding. But God backed up the, the sun by 10 degrees. And so he was affirmed that he was gonna, his life would be extended by 15 years. So he reigned for 29 years total. And while he was there, um, this alliance with Assyria, he started breaking it because, you know, King uh, Ahaz had started making this alliance. Well, King Hezekiah said, no more. No more. And so Assyria was going to come in and take over Jerusalem. And when they did, Isaiah came to Hezekiah and he says, listen, do not surrender to them. I don't know. I don't remember. It doesn't matter how bad the battle gets. Do not surrender to them. And you know what? Hezekiah did not surrender. And Assyria was unsuccessful in trying to take over Jerusalem and they retreated and never attacked them again. And so Isaiah is in this, in this old book of Isaiah, there's lots of prophecies about the deliverance. And part of the prophecy was about when Israel and Judea or Judah was going to be in Babylonian exile. And God was promising them through Isaiah that they were going to be ultimately delivered from Babylonian exile that would come along about 100 years later. And so from this portion of Scripture in Isaiah 43, I want us to see three things about how we can get past our past. Because sometimes it's difficult to get past our past. And we live in this cycle of going from one bad decision to another because we learn from the little mistakes. We don't run the stop sign. We don't stub our toe in the dark anymore because we know where the furniture is. But as we move along in life, it seems like the big decisions, we just don't learn from them. You got into credit card debt, okay? You got way over your head in credit card debt, and you decided you'd go out and take a debt consolidation loan out, and you did that so you could reduce your payment, extend the term, or, you know, kind of put the term where you could understand it, and, you know, you're like, I'm never going to do that again. Well, you did that again, and so now you have a debt consolidation loan on top of more credit card debt, and you don't learn from those things. You jumped into another relationship after you got out of a bad relationship, and this one's going to be bad as well because we just don't learn from it. So three things. Number one, we need to look back and appreciate. We'll look back and appreciate. Here's what Isaiah said. Thus says the Lord, 
who makes, a, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Now, throughout the Old Testament, you'll see prophets, you'll see Moses, other writers. They're constantly dipping back into Israel's history to remind them of what God has brought them through. We just sang about it. We just sang about it. And, and, and we even remember what God brought the children of Israel out of when they brought them out of Egypt. And so he makes a way in the sea or through the Red Sea, and he makes the path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. He says, listen, I want you to remember what God has done for you as a nation. Don't forget this as he's speaking to Israel. Don't forget what God has done. But at the same time, I want you to remember what God has done, but I also want you to forget it, okay? Because he says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. And what he means by this is he means, I don't want you to live in the past, but I want you to learn from the past. And the problem with us is we live in the past and we let all of our previous victories, we let all of our previous defeats come into our future and they rob our future. They hijack our present and our future because we're living, what was his name again? Al Bundy, okay? You remember Al Bundy from Married with Children? I didn't watch that show very often with my parents, you know. Anyway, um, but... But he always was living like back in his high school years, you know? And some of you are still doing the same thing. We all, we have these past victories and we just live there. We, we hang out there. And what, what Isaiah was saying to the nation of Israel, he's saying, don't live in the past. Remember the past because here's the deal. The past is a rudder to guide you. It's not an anchor to drag you. And what happens is we live in the past and it's dragging us down, whether it's through past defeats or past victories, and it holds us back for the future rather than us looking back and using the past as the rudder to guide our future. The reason Miss Joanne Gray can be so um, worshipful in the midst of losing her home is because she's seen the faithfulness of God in the past. And she knows because he's been faithful in the past, he will continue to be faithful in the future. So the past is a rudder, it's not an anchor. And some of us need to make sure that we release the past and, and remember the past for the sake of, um, of being assured of what God is gonna do for us because we have to do that. We have to use it as a rudder and not as an anchor because our past that haunts us can, can rob us of our future. And the problem that we have is we live back there and we have so much going on in the past that we just wanna blame all of our circumstances and blame all people around us for the reason we got there or the reason we are where we are. Because here's the thing, you can't make peace with your past until you own your piece of your past. And so when you think about it and you look back at your past and appreciate what has, God has done for you, some of you are sitting here today only by the grace of God. Some of us in this room right now are here only by the grace of God. And we need to appreciate the fact that God has allowed us to some degree to hit restart or let's start all over from this point over. I'm not going to let the past bog me down or anchor me down, but I am gonna let it guide me into my future. But the first thing we have to do is we have to appreciate it and we have to make peace with our past by owning our peace of the past, both good and bad. 
We'll move on. The next thing that he talks about here is looking ahead with anticipation. Looking ahead with anticipation. He says this, behold, I am doing a new thing. He's saying that first exodus that you had out of Egypt, it is nothing compared to what's gonna happen when you come out of Babylon. It is nothing compared to what exodus it's gonna look like later on. So I'm doing a new thing. So don't live in the past, use it, you know, check the rearview mirror every once in a while, but don't stare at it. Don't live in it. Make sure that you understand God is gonna do a new thing in you in this nation of Israel. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Can you not anticipate that God is about to do something great in this nation? And in our lives, if we will simply use the past as the guide, as the rudder, and we, we live with anticipation in the future. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness. I've done it before, and I will do it again. I've done it before, I will do it again. This return that they were going, that he was prophesying about out of Babylon is what he was prophesying toward. It was going to be a long journey. Some believe it was probably five to 800 miles from where they were in exile back down to Jerusalem. It was going to be uncharted territory for them. It was going to be wilderness once again. And he's saying, I will make a way. I will make a way in the wilderness. I will have rivers in the desert and I will take care of you. I will provide for you. And I want you to know that you just need to anticipate and trust what God is going to do for you. And here's the thing, we, we can anticipate the future, but what we tend to do is we tend to rush the future, right? I, I, you know, most of you here know that I sold cars for a period of time. And I would, you know, you know, you part of the thing in doing is you run somebody's credit check and they, they come back and you kind of know how they stand. They'll either tell you, get them out of here as fast as possible because they can't buy bread on credit, and which we knew that was not going to be a deal or whatever. And then sometimes they'll say, well, we'll just try to run it through. And so you send them back to the finance office, knowing good and well, they should not be buying this car. But they go back there and they come out saying, look what God provided. He provided me with the car and I'm thinking, it had to be a miracle. It had to be a miracle. But I'm just telling you, God didn't provide you that car payment. I guarantee you that was not from God. I think Satan was in the finance office along with you and you came out giving credit to God and that was not God doing that. So we tend to rush things sometimes and we try to put on our own timetable. But what we need to sometimes do is we need to hit the brakes and we need to put life on pause. And what we need to do is when moving past our past, remember that time is on our side. Because here's the thing, whenever you are sick, you typically run a fever, right? And when you run a fever, your body is trying to fight off something that's infectious in your body, trying to get rid of it. And what you tend to do and what I tend to do when we get sick is we don't normally wanna be around people. And I don't want you around me when I'm sick. You don't wanna be around me when I'm sick. I wanna be to myself, I wanna take care of myself, and usually we become very inwardly focused, just trying to get better. Occasionally my wife suffers from a migraine headache, and you know what she doesn't wanna do? She doesn't want me reading the scriptures to her. She doesn't want me preaching a sermon to her. She doesn't want me lecturing her on how to get rid of a headache. You know what she wants to do? She wants to go to the bedroom, lay on the bed, turn out all the lights, turn off all the noises, and put something over her face and just be alone. 
She doesn't want a grandkid around. She doesn't want a kid around. She certainly doesn't want her husband around. She just gets inwardly focused, and that's not a bad thing because she's sick. And when you become emotionally sick, whenever you're coming out of a bad relationship, bad marriage, bad financial decisions, a bad season of life, we tend to go very inwardly focused. And what we wanna do is we wanna rush things. We jump into another relationship. You'll jump into another bad financial decision. You'll jump into whatever the case may be and you just move from bad decision to bad decision to bad decision because you think time is working against you and time is not working against you. Time is your friend. You've gotta let the emotions come down so you can make logical, rational, spiritual decisions. Your parents are telling you advice and you won't listen because you're emotionally sick and you're making bad decisions. So when we think time is our enemy, we need to give time for our emotions to come down, for, for, the, for, the, for the temperature to lower so that we can make good decisions. He goes on and he says, the wild beast will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. I discovered something a few years ago when we were in Tanzania that ostriches are mean. You think they're just this like little docile little bird that can't fly and they try to, but they're big and ugly, but they're mean. And so he's saying, when you go into the wilderness and you got wild beasts, they're gonna honor me. The jackals and the ostriches, they will as well. For I will give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. I'm going to provide protection for you when we do it his way is what God is saying. When you do it God's way, he's gonna provide protection for you. Ultimate freedom in this life is lived when we live or, or realize when we live under the protection of God's umbrella. The, the way I, one of the best pictures I saw that a few years ago, several years ago, we had a dog named Princess. And Princess lived in our backyard and she loved to dig her way out. And we're constantly trying to keep her in. And we're thinking, Princess, if you will stay in the backyard, your life is gonna be good. We'll feed you, we'll water you, the kids will play with you. We will occasionally let you inside the house. But when you get outside the fence, you're, you're in danger. There's a dog catcher out there that's gonna get you. There are cars driving down the road that's gonna run over you. She just didn't listen to logic. She always tried to get out of the fence. And so one year we were on our way back from camp and I got a call from my neighbor and the neighbor said, hey, Princess got out of the yard and she got hit by a car, broke her hips. Um, so you might wanna call the vet. So I called the vet. The vet said, hey, listen, she's gonna need major, major surgery and she probably won't be right after that even, uh, won't enjoy life. So we had to make a decision to put Princess down. And I was thinking the whole time, Princess, if you would have just lived inside the confines of the boundaries, your life would have been good. But she always insisted on getting out. And you know what happened? She died as a result. It caught up with her. And so when we live inside God's umbrella of protection, when we just do it his way, we can be guaranteed that he will protect us in the wildernesses of life. And so the people, he says, the people whom I form for myself, that they might declare my Praise. This is what Sean was talking about just a few moments ago. When we live our life the way God intends for us to lead our life, and when we let our past be a rudder, and we don't get anchored to it, and we learn from it, and we make good decisions, and we don't make decisions in haste, when we slow down, when we listen to good advice from wise people that aren't caught up in the moment like we are, then we can get on the other side of that, and you're gonna look back, and you're gonna sing the praises of God, and you're gonna thank God 
You're gonna thank God you did not buy that car. You're gonna thank God that 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 house deal did not go through for you. You're gonna thank God that you did not enter into that relationship. You're gonna thank God that you made that decision after you let your emotions come down and you started listening to logical people that were not caught up in the emotion of the moment. So three things, look back and appreciate, look ahead and anticipate, because God wants to do something great through you and for you, if you will just live the way he has instructed us to live. And then he says, or the next thing is, look within and evaluate. And this is where it's hard. This is the hard work right here, evaluation of our own lives. We don't look in the mirror and see all of our flaws. Other people can, but we don't. We don't see it. We look in the mirror and we see what we wanna see. And so he says this, Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings. You have not honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with frankincense. You have not brought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. Listen, the Hebrew people were in a place right now where they were praying half-heartedly. They were serving him half-heartedly. They were not um, fully on board with what God wanted for them. They were just halfway in, halfway out. And now it was time for them to examine their hearts. It was time for them to take a look inside to make sure they were evaluating themselves and letting God put their life back on track again. And so they needed to put God at front and center and they were not doing that. He says, but you have burdened me with your sins and you have wearied me with your iniquities. You're in this cycle of going back down the path that I've told you not to go down. You're kind of living this life in this tumultuous living where you're making another bad decision. You're not doing what I've instructed you to do. And so here it is, bottom line, you can't make peace with your past until you own your peace of your past. And today, no matter where you are, I don't care how bad your ex-wife or ex-husband was, what portion of the bad decisions were you in on? I heard somebody say years ago, every bad decision that I've ever made I was a participant in. Every bad decision I've ever made, I was a participant in that bad decision. Now, I can blame my circumstances all I want to. I was in a hurry to get to work, so I rolled through the stop sign. I made a bad decision. I made a bad decision. I was, and you can just go down and you go, but but it it was all her fault or it was all his fault. They should have never given me that loan to begin with. You're right, they shouldn't have, but they did and you accepted it as a blessing from God and it wasn't God's blessing, it was a curse on your life. And so we need to understand, we can't make peace with our past until we own up to our peace of our past. So I just encourage you, whether you do a a, a pie graph or a chart or whatever it is, I want you to just evaluate your past decisions that were bad. And as you're going through this next cycle of life, whether it be financially or relationally or uh, when, you're, when it comes to your career, whatever it is, you've got to figure out what it is that you did or did not do in order to contribute to the bad decision that was made. And a lot of people, listen, as a pastor, I am front and center for a lot of bad decisions. 
I hear people come to me all the time that are, that are hung up in addiction or they're going through a bad relationship. And listen, I know some of your circumstances are terrible. I understand that. But no matter what it is, we would tend to wanna to give the other person 95%, but just take that 5% sliver of your part and go, what do I need to change? What do I need to do? What do I need to stop doing? That was a contributor into bad decisions that are contributors to a past that I need to get past so that I don't repeat it in the future. Most people would say, if they were to do that, they would go, you know what? My parents told me that I should have never dated him, but I did it anyway. I heard a preacher say one time that we don't need to live our life extended on credit. But yet I got in there and the car payment was way over the price that I had agreed before I walked in there, but I just couldn't get over it because, man, I just like the car, but I hate the payment. And we would just go down that through that and we would say, man, I, I just remember that, that in that moment, I knew that I shouldn't have even gone out on a date with him or her. I never should have even gone to that place because my parents knew what it was like. There was a place in, in Louisiana where I grew up. My parents wouldn't let me go. They would never let me go. They said, there's way too much stuff that happens there that shouldn't be happening. And I never got to go to what they called, it was called extra play. It was just a, a, a big place where you played a bunch of video games, video arcade. But man, there was just a lot of stuff that happened around in that building and I never could go. And I look back on it and I go, I'm glad I didn't rebel and go. I might have, my life might've taken a different course. But all of us, we need to just look at it and go, what part of the bad decision did I make? And so when we think about it, getting past our past, we need to look back and appreciate. We need to look ahead and anticipate. And we need to look within and evaluate. And if you today are a child of God, he just wants you to live in obedience to him. And he promises his protection over you when you do that. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, he can't guarantee that for you. But he can if you'll come and you will receive him as your Lord and Savior. And he erases your past. And he says, I'm putting you in a position now to be a child of God. Not the consequences necessarily that come naturally, but he's just saying, uh, spiritually speaking, eternally speaking, your past is erased when Jesus comes in. When Jesus comes into your life and saves you, your past is no more. It's gone. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, created unto good works. You've got a great future with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never received him, I would love to talk to you. Tom would love to talk to you. We'll meet you down front, or you can meet us back in the guest VIP room. We have a, a, a new believers box that we've created. It's got a new Bible in it for you. It's got some things to get you started in your faith journey. So meet us back there. We'd love to talk to you. Let's all stand together. Father, we're so thankful that our past does not have to be carried into our future through you. God, today I pray that if there's somebody here that's living with so many regrets, uh, Lord, don't let the past be a rudder to guide them. But God, I pray that all of us would just do some inward evaluation. That God, whatever it is that we've done to get us to where we are, help us to see that and then to turn around and do something about that through you. 
And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.